Thank you, worship team. Yeah. You can say that a little louder if you want to. We're talking about evangelism this morning. One of the ways that evangelism is described in the Old Testament is when they proclaim the great works of God. And one of the illustrations of that is Exodus chapter 15, when they had crossed through the, the sea, God had parted the sea, and they, the miraculous exodus from Egypt. And you know who took up, you know who took up the music? Do you remember the story? Miriam. Miriam took up... Text tells us that Miriam took up the tambourine and gathered all the ladies together, and the ladies together shouted, Great is the Lord, for the horse and the rider have been cast into the sea. And so what they did in their worship was they, they said, God is good, God is great, we depend wholly on him, and look what he did. And that, the word for evangelism comes from that in the Old Testament, because what, what happens, we worship God by proclaiming his goodness and his great deeds. But when we turn around and point it out the door, it becomes evangelism. God is good. God is great. God has a plan. God is our victor. God is the one who, who leads the way. God is the one who makes our path sure and straight. That's proclaiming the goodness of God. That's, that's evangelism. That's my sermon for today. Thank you very much. Okay, now I got to go back to the beginning here. Let's pray. God, our hearts are full. As we recognize you for who you are, and, and, and that stirs up in our, in our hearts and in our minds, it stirs up thoughts of how good you have been to us. Regardless of our story today, regardless of the tension or stress that might be going on in our lives, we still have you as our rock and our solid foundation. And we recognize you as faithful, as good, as great, and as our victor. And so we come to you with hearts full of praise this morning. And now, Lord, turn our thoughts towards your word. Turn our thoughts towards what it means to take this passion that you have put in our hearts, this great salvation that you have placed in our lives, what it means to turn that out to our communities, to our neighbors, to our friends. And Lord, may we be those, may we be counted among those who boldly proclaim from the hilltops, the horse and the rider have been cast into the sea. Our God is powerful and strong. And may we invite many, many more to come. So bless the teaching of your word here this morning. In the name of Jesus, we pray. Amen. So have you ever been around a person who seems to just have a gift for opening up conversations about the Lord? Um, for you and for me, sometimes it seems like a huge leap of faith and a huge leap of courage to turn a conversation towards Jesus while it just seems to come naturally for some people. A few years ago, I traveled to Africa with a gentleman who had this gift. And as we began our travel, we went from here to Chicago and we were waiting for our flight to go over to Europe. And so I walked around with him and we walked around to all the little shops. We had several hours to lay over in Chicago. We walked around to all the little shops and as I walked alongside of him, he, it took him about one minute to engage the shopkeeper in some kind of conversation. Within two or three minutes, he already knew where they lived and, and how long they worked in the store and whether they liked their job or not and if they're going to college or not. And he knew all about whoever was standing there, just, just like that. And it didn't take much longer, and it didn't happen in every case, 
But it didn't take much longer until we were onto the subject of church and the Lord and what does the Lord mean to you and et cetera, et cetera. It didn't take long at all. And, I, I just, and then we'd go to the next shop and we, he would do it all over again. And I would just kind of stand there and go, but he was one of those guys that could do that. Now, I don't mean, I I consider myself fairly adept at sharing the gospel, and I think I'm pretty good at at opening up conversations to the Lord, turning people to the Lord in a conversation. But I have to confess that this ability that my friend had and, and that I've seen with others, I don't have it. I don't have that gift for it. And it, it leaves me, Leaves me when I'm around somebody like that. It leaves me longing for more. And I've been around other people that do that too. And some of them are right here in this room who just have that natural ability, and they have whatever it is that moves people forward to consider Christ, and even to lead people to Christ in in fairly short order. But you know, it's not a strange and mysterious ability, is it? It's it's in fact a spiritual gift to have this ability. God through His through His Holy Spirit gives the gift of evangelism. Evangelism is a spiritual gift. The person who has the gift of evangelism can't, can I say this, can't not share their faith. They just can't. The the old story goes of a seminary student uh, who had the gift of evangelism and and loved to tell people about the Lord and loved to lead people to Christ and uh, was studying in his dorm room one night with his roommate and pouring themselves into the theology books and, and all of that. And, and after several hours, he just slammed his book shut and he said, I just got to go save somebody. <laughs> enough is enough. That's the person with that gift. Some of you have that gift of evangelism. I don't. And I've had to realize over the years that it, it's okay to not have the gift. See, we all have spiritual gifts, but they're not all the same. And praise the Lord, he's created a rich tapestry even among us with spiritual gifts. And some of us have this and some of us have that. So I've come to a great comfort and encouragement in that truth. But it doesn't alleviate the calling that each of us have to proclaim Jesus wherever we go and whatever we do. The the Great Commission says, as you go, share Jesus Christ. The calling and the command to go into the world with the gospel applies to each and every believer. And Jesus makes that call clear to all who would follow him. And he says this, let your light shine before others so that they may see your good works and give glory to your Father who is in heaven. You see, we're all called to share Jesus with the world around us. In all candor this morning, I don't believe that I have to, I don't have to convince anyone here that reaching out to others with faith and the gospel is a key part to following Christ. I think we all know that. And if I asked each of you of sharing Christ with others is part of our call. Every one of us, I'm confident, would say, well, of course it is. And yet, there's often a huge disconnect between our conviction and our actions. A recent Pew Research survey said that most of us evangelicals, and I'm saying most, over 90%, listen to this, have no non-Christian friends or very few non-Christian friends. That means that we hang around in a spiritual bubble. As, uh, as um, Caleb and Martha and I started this journey with evangelism and studying with other churches in the last couple of years, I realized, and I was pushed out of my comfort zone to go talk to my neighbors and go find your un- unbelieving friends, your pre-Christian friends. I realized I live in a bubble. 
I have an office here and I have an office at home. And between the two, I, I live in a bubble. And, you know, I think most of us as evangelical believers, we all kind of live in that bubble as well. I'd, I would challenge you to look around and see how many of your network are believers and how many are not. You see, we, many of us in the Pew Research shows this out, many Christians don't even discuss faith outside of their immediate family. When faith does come up, we spend our time trying to understand other points of view and simply agreeing to disagree on important issues. We say we believe in the call to evangelism, but we tend to shy away from it on Monday to Friday. And I wonder, too, if, if, we, don't, if, if we don't understand that these, this is the truth of truths. This is the Lord of lords. This is the love that surpasses all other loves. And yet we seem, when we agree to disagree, and we've, we, we neglect to pursue investing Christ into other people's lives, we don't understand that this is not another worldview that just goes alongside all the other worldviews. This is the foundational truth that the world rotates on. There's another startling statistic that comes with this discussion. Of all the churches in America, only six, listen to this, only six to seven percent of them are growing because of conversion growth. I, I didn't mispronounce that. It's six to seven percent. Among the growing churches in America, most of them attribute growth to people moving from church to church. People coming to Christ, taking the step of identifying with Christ in baptism, or sharing a conversion testimony are not the norm in the American church. For something as clearly commanded and called for in Scripture, evangelism and sharing Christ with others is simply not a banner of the church. So before we get too discouraged with the statistics, I think it's good for us to flip them over. So every time it says 50% of churches don't do this or don't do this or don't do that, there's 50% who do do that, Right? We focus on the negative. I'm, I'm feeling kind of like I need to wash my hands here this morning. And I don't want to be accused of, of belittling the bride of Jesus Christ. Because as we saw in Beth and Taylor's testimony this morning, the bride of Jesus Christ is a beautiful, beautiful thing. But we're not perfect. For the next few weeks, we're going to concentrate on the calling, on the the strategies and the practice of evangelism. In an effort to intensify our obedience to the calling, we'll be teaching on this subject. We'll be focusing on practical issues in our adult Sunday school class, and we'll be discussing the implications of it in our lives in the context of our life groups. We'll be introducing our life groups in a few minutes. Our hope and our prayer is to become more effective in our personal and our church outreach. Our passion is to close the gap between our calling and our conviction and it's working out in our own lives. So to launch our time in this study over the next few weeks, I have three questions for you that I'd like you to consider today. First question, are you willing to go where the Scriptures and the Holy Spirit lead you? Most of us can bring to mind a few key passages that call us to be witnesses for Christ to the world around us. We have the Great Commission passages. They appear in all four of the Gospels. Matthew 28, 19, Go therefore and make disciples of all nations. Matthew 24, 14, And this Gospel of the Kingdom will be proclaimed throughout the whole world as a testimony to all nations. And then the end will come. 
This whole idea of proclaiming Christ and letting all the nations of the world, all the people of the world know about this living Jesus Christ, this resurrected Jesus Christ, and the gospel is tied very directly to the end of days. Acts 1.8, and you will be my witnesses. There it is again. Too often we think of these commands to the gospel, to share the gospel as add-on modules. But the calling to share Jesus with others is woven into the entirety of Scripture. The whole Scripture narrative is, is laced with it. In the Old Testament, the word for, word for, word for evangelism takes the, on the meaning of a messenger bringing good news uh, or, or sometimes bad news of, of military victory. There's lots of examples of this, but one of the, my favorites is I've already talked about when Miriam the prophetess, the sister of Aaron, took a tambourine in her hand and began to shout and proclaim the greatness of the Lord. King David proclaimed the message of God to the people in Psalm 40, verses 9 to 10. He says this, I have told the glad news of deliverance in the great congregation. Behold, I have not restrained my lips, as you know, O Lord. I have not hidden your deliverance within my heart. I have spoken of your faithfulness and your salvation. I have not concealed your steadfast love and your faithfulness from the great congregation. He didn't want to be accused of taking the blessing of God, the salvation of God, and hiding it in his heart and not letting people know. I have not closed my mouth. Again, David tells the people of Israel to recognize God in all things. He says this in 1 Chronicles 16. Sing to the Lord all the earth. Tell of his salvation from day to day. Declare his glory among the nations, his marvelous works among all the peoples. You see, we read through those, those Old Testament narrative, those Old Testament passages, and we don't see that evangelism is taking place all over. We could go on with the illustrations. <coughs> In the New Testament, Jesus makes it clear that the primacy of his mission is to proclaim the gospel, the good news of God's kingdom. In Luke 4, verses, verse 43, Jesus says this, I must preach the good news of the kingdom of God to other towns as well, for I was sent for this purpose, to preach the good news. That's the gospel. At the beginning of his ministry, he reached back into the Old Testament, the book of Isaiah, to proclaim himself as Messiah and the authenticity of his mission. Listen to this. Familiar words, but listen again. The Spirit of the Lord God is upon me because the Lord has anointed me to bring good news to the poor. He has sent me to bind up the brokenhearted, to proclaim liberty to the captives and the opening of the prison to those who are bound, to proclaim the year of the Lord's favor and the day of vengeance of our God, to comfort all who mourn. When Jesus called the twelve to be his apostles, Mark tells us, Mark records this in his Gospels, that he called them, listen to this, Mark chapter 3, this is why he called the disciples, that they might be with him and that he might send them out to preach and that they would have authority in the name of Jesus. Did you catch that? Send them out to preach. That was why he called them to be apostles. Follow the thread through the New Testament. Paul's single focus was to preach the gospel where it hadn't been proclaimed. That's what he lived for. That's what he died for. He said, he said to one of the churches, I'm being poured out as a drink offering for your sake so that you can know Jesus. When Andrew, when Andrew met Jesus Christ, and he went and he sought out his brother, Simon Peter, and he said, what? We have found the Messiah. Philip sought out Nathaniel when he met Jesus. He sought out Nathaniel. He said, we have found him of whom Moses in the law and also the prophets wrote, this Jesus of Nazareth. 
Philip explained the gospel to the Ethiopian eunuch. Peter shared the gospel with Cornelius, the Roman centurion, and his whole family came to Christ. In John chapter 4, the woman at the well encountered Jesus Christ, and he began to explain to her who he was and what the good news of the gospel is. He began to explain it to her. She turned around and ran back to her village, and what happened? She told him about Jesus, and the whole village came out to meet Jesus. And the whole village said, we don't need your testimony anymore. We've seen Jesus. That's evangelism. And it's woven all through the, the Gospels, all through the New Testament. And listen to this. Oh, I wish we could do more. The last occurrence for the word for evangelism comes in Revelation chapter 14, verses 6 to 7. Listen, listen to this. I'll bet you haven't caught this before either. This is the last time the word evangelism appears. Then I saw another angel flying directly overhead. Okay? There's an angel flying over the earth with an eternal gospel to proclaim to those who dwell on the earth, to every nation, tribe, and language, and people. And he said with a loud voice, okay, he's flying over the earth. How loud is his voice, do you imagine? Fear God. Give him glory. Because the hour of his judgment has come and worship him who made heaven and earth, the sea and the springs of water. That's evangelism coming from the mouth of an angel. So I ask you the question this morning, are you willing to go where the scriptures and the Holy Spirit lead you? It occurs to me that the, 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 when scripture gives a picture of evangelism, there is by necessity a messenger and a message. And first of all, there needs to be a message. And I ask you the question this morning, do you know the gospel? Are you willing to share what you know? And as we stand on the precipice of another decade, are you willing to pour yourself into Scripture, into your relationship with Jesus Christ, in order to know the message of the gospel and to experience Jesus to his fullness? That's the message. That's not to say that you have to be a theologian or have to have a theological degree to share Jesus Christ. I believe the call to share what God has already given us is there for each of us. It doesn't matter the quantity of our faith. It doesn't matter the depth of our faith. It doesn't matter the experience that we've had with God. It only, <clears throat> if I came to Christ two minutes ago, I have a story to tell. And I have a story to tell somebody else. And somebody else needs to hear that story. And if I've been a Christian for 45 years or 60 years or 70 years, I have a story. And I, like Miriam and the ladies in the Old Testament, I need to go out and proclaim great is our God. And let me tell you why. We all have a story, and what I'm asking you this morning is to share that story, and what I'm asking you this morning is to take the message, and as you stand in the precipice of 2020, will you go deeper in your relationship with Christ? You see the two sides of that coin? Will you grow deeper in his word, in the knowledge of his word, in the leading of the Holy Spirit, your intimacy with Jesus Christ, and then will you turn around, walk out that door, and share it with everybody you come in contact? That's what we're saying this morning. Are you willing to let the word of God speak to you, to lead to you? Are you willing to open your ears and your heart to the call of the Spirit? And as we do so, he will amplify our opportunities and our impact as we share the gospel with others. Second question. Do you long for those around you to know Jesus? The longing of God for people to know him and his life is clear in Scripture. In the Old Testament, God heard the cries of the people of Israel as they were enslaved in Egypt. 
They didn't even call out to him. He heard and he took action to set them free. That's the kind of God that we serve. Jesus wept over the city of Jerusalem, wept because of its inhabitants, God's people, and they would not see him. They would not recognize him. Scripture tells us that Jesus wept over his people. In Romans 10, the Apostle Paul says it's it's his heart desire that his people, the Jewish people, the people of Israel, would come to know him. And he even indicates, I would gladly give my life for their sake. Do you see the passion? Do you see the longing for others to know this life that Jesus has? All that God does in history, all that he does when the gospel is proclaimed, all that he does when someone turns to him in faith is done so that he can call people to himself. If Christ is alive in us, if we have given free reign for the Spirit to move in us, then our hearts will break for those who don't know Jesus. Author Miroslav Volf says it like this, If evangelism isn't an expression of love for a neighbor, it isn't Christian evangelizing. How many times have we listened to someone's story, watched their lives, seen what it is to live without hope, and said to ourselves, Man, do they need Jesus! That's the Holy Spirit at work in us. But part of our hesitancy with evangelism is that we don't see the need and we don't see the urgency. In many cases, someone that we're talking to doesn't appear to have a need for a Savior, doesn't appear to have a need for the truth of the gospel. We don't comprehend, brothers and sisters, the real problem of sin. We don't comprehend the real problem of a heart that's separated from God. We don't understand the severity of an eternity separated from God. We don't see the hopelessness of life without Jesus Christ. We don't give credit for the eminency of Christ's return and the coming tribulation that people will face if they are not in Christ Jesus. You see, for many of us, and I say this with tears, the urgency is gone. The critical need for Jesus is diminished. 27-year-old John Allen Cho, I think I'm saying his name correctly, understood the urgency and the need for people to know Jesus. You might remember this story. John made headlines a little over a year ago as he attempted to take the gospel to an isolated people group on an isolated island off the coast of India. From an early age, John learned what it meant to follow Christ, and he learned what it meant to have a passion for other people who don't know Jesus. And he became convinced, and he heard about this people group that had no idea about Jesus in in their isolation. And he became convinced as a young man, I need to go share Jesus with his people. Now the only problem was that this people was so, they were so isolated that they they had a way of killing everybody who came ashore. No one lived to come to their island. And so finally one day, John Cho hired, I I believe illegally, hired a fishing boat to take him to the island. And as I read the report, he came ashore shouting, my name is John, I love you, and Jesus loves you. And he was killed on that very day on that beach. They say a, a child shot a bow and arrow and it went right through his Bible and killed him. Well, if you know the story, you know that the world immediately melted down. Do you remember this? Somebody, somebody nod their heads, yes? The world immediately melted down. 
wow, they have no business taking that message. Who do they think they are invading the, the culture of that people? Who do they think they are going into that people and trying to convert them? Who do they think they are? And they use the cover of, well, they're not immune to certain diseases that we may carry. So he was risking the whole population by exposing them to things that they've never been exposed to before. Besides, who are they to take that message? Who are they to think that their message is superior to somebody else's? But you know what? John Cho understood the urgency of the gospel. He understood the urgency and the need, the desperate need for people to come to know Jesus, no matter who they are, where they live, and how long they've not known Jesus. It's, I find it interesting to me as I read that story that the, the sociologists and all those who study this people and others that are, are untouched, they went on to great detail to explain the lostness of this people, the alcoholism and the, and the violence in families and things like that, the desperation that was, that was pictured in their culture. And yet they, they saw no need for someone to go in and give them hope, the hope of Jesus Christ. Not many of us are called to step on that beach the way John Chow did. But we are called to love our neighbors. And we're all called to give them the gospel. And I'm asking the question this morning, do you long for those around you to know Jesus? The third question, are you willing to step out in faith to share Jesus? Are you willing to change for the sake of sharing Christ with others? Now, we're not asking you to go and preach on a street corner. Uh, what was her name, Betty? She, she was afraid of that this morning. We're not going to ask you to put on a, a sandwich sign and walk up and down the street. We're not asking you to step onto the beach of an unknown people, although I don't want to minimize that calling either. We are not asking you to become an expert in apologetics and doctrine this week. We're not asking you to go door-to-door with a gospel tract. We are challenging you to, challenging you to come with us on this study of outreach. We'll look into Scripture to see where it leads us. We'll share practical tools with you to open up conversations with those around you. We'll equip you with the blessed principle. You'll learn more about that in the next few weeks to help you witness to your friends and neighbors. We're not asking you to jump into the deep end of the pool. We're asking you to take small, practical steps that will help you follow the Holy Spirit into new places in sharing your faith. We're going, to ask, we're going to ask you to pray for your neighbors. We're going to ask you to look for opportunities to open up discussions with them. We're going to look, ask you to look for opportunities to create opportunities to establish relationships with those in your network so that you can earn the right to share the love of Jesus Christ with them when the opportunity presents itself. See, our prayer for you, our prayer for us as a people is to experience the power of the Holy Spirit in our witness, in your witness. To mature you in your faith as you step out in new ways to see the Spirit move. To help you experience the joy of sharing Christ with others. And as a church, we long to see changed lives and to hear salvation testimonies. If you were here the week before Thanksgiving, we had our open mic Sunday. You know, we love hearing the testimonies, but you know what, what I took away from that this morning? We... We heard salvation testimonies. And I long for our hallways to be populated with, I accepted Jesus this week. I long to see that. We long to see changed lives. We long to hear stories of how Jesus has invaded a life with his love and his grace. 
So I'm asking you to join us over the next weeks. I'm asking you to join us in our life groups as we talk about this. And There's a blessed study guide out back uh, for you to pick up uh, to use in your life groups. Adult Sunday School, which will be starting today in the fellowship hall and preaching over the next weeks, all designed to help us walk this, this path. So at this time, I would like to introduce our life groups. Um, Pete and Taylor, since the, you have the microphones there, could I ask you to rove around the room? And, and um, What we've asked our life group leaders to do, is, here's a, our hope and desire is that for the next eight weeks, if you're not in a life group, that you will join a life group for this time slot. Okay? So, our, so when people stand up and introduce their life group, take note and say, ah, I can meet on that night. I would like to meet with that group of people and, and chase them down and ask them about their life group, okay? And ask when you can join them. We'd love for you to join for these eight weeks, January and February, into a life group. So I'm asking the life group leaders to stand up and to introduce themselves and when you meet and a little profile of your group um, age range, et cetera, et cetera. And I'm asking the life group, one at a time, life group leaders to stand up. Taylor, since you already have a microphone, can I put you on the spot? And would you lead the way? Sure. Here we go. Okay. Um, yeah, so we, uh, we have a life group that meets every other Thursday. Uh, Thursday nights at the Harlow's house in Chanhassen. Um, we are uh, a group of uh, primarily younger families. Um, and we are going through uh, just uh, sermon-based studies and, and doing that t- together. So um, I guess is this where I ask my life group to stand up? Yes. Uh, so when, when your leader is, is, is explaining, I'd ask each life group to stand up. So if you're in the Hallstrom's life group, would you stand up? Okay. So you see them. If you'd like to be part of that group, talk to one of those folks. Thank you, Taylor. Who would like to go next? I'm looking at the Wiseleys right here. Would you... Good morning. I'm Jamie Wisely. This is my wife, Candace. My phone number is 763-772-3193. I'll repeat it one more time. We have a fantastic life group, and they are all right in this area right here. We range in age um, and uh, life experiences. And we meet every other Thursday as well. This Thursday is when we're meeting, so then you can do the math and figure out every other after that. If you sat through, thank you, group, I appreciate that. If you sat through what Mike just shared with us and you go, holy cow, I don't know about that. Or if you're looking for a community, or if you're looking for a place where you can just live life together, pray with one another, love one another, and experience all that God has for you, we would love you to be a part of our group. My phone number is 763-772-3193. Thank you. Somebody else. Then Toby's right here in front. Hi. Uh, we're Carol and Steve Santovi, and we lead a life group with Van and Shirley Sindelar. Uh, and where's our life group people here? Uh, is Pat here? I don't see. The group should be usually sitting over on that side. Uh, we meet the third Saturday uh, of every month in the fellowship hall here from 9 to 11 or so. Uh, we are mostly retired, uh, over 65 group. 
So, uh, yeah, anybody would like to join us, uh, that's when we come. Thank you. Who's next? Hi, my name is Karee Kep. Um, with my husband and my family, we host our life group on, thir- on Sundays, every third Sunday. Um, we meet from about 4.30 to 7-ish with a potluck-style um, fellowship time and study time. Um, our group is a lot of kids, school age mostly, but ranging from um, about one to high school, college age kids, as well as our adults. So um, we live um, out near Belle Plaine. It's about 20 minutes here from church here. So if you have any questions, talk to me. And will our group representatives please stand up for everyone to see? Thanks, guys. Thank you. Thank you. Right there, Zach. <laughs> and then Caleb after that. Hi, my name is Zach Kaiser. My wife's name is Alicia. Um, So our life group meets once a week every Monday night at the Rice's house here in Chaska. I'll have my group stand up. Some of us are traveling right now. Um, So we are, we consider ourselves to be the the young adult uh, group with uh, either some of us have kids, some of us have no kids. Um, So we love to study the Bible together. Sometimes we study a, a good Christian book together. We love to play games, and um, Christmas caroling hopefully is something that will start up now every Christmas. So it's Monday nights from 7.15 to 8.45. Thank you. We're Caleb and Brittany Haynes. We meet on Tuesday nights from 7 to 8.30. Our life group can stand up. About half of us are here. Everyone else is gone, so that's all right. But um, we, you guys can sit down now. Um, we're <laughs> um, mostly younger couples, some with kids, some not with kids. Um, and, yeah, we would love for you to join us. We enjoy having fun. We do game nights from time to time as well. Um, but, yeah, we're Tuesday nights. We're starting the Bless Study Guide. Um, so you can talk to any of us about ours. Okay. I see Alan Kreider. Would you take a shot this morning? I'm Alan Kreider. Uh, my wife, Barbara, couldn't be here today. The only message I got was our life group was to sit together. So we are the one life group that followed orders. <laughs> so if you tend to like to follow directions, our group's the one to join. Um, but we, we tend to meet uh, every other Thursday, uh, but we also, because our schedules keep changing and so forth, uh, usually at the beginning of the month, we'll schedule this the next month out to, to accommodate everyone. So please join us. Thank you. And then we have Chuck and Betty up here starting a new, a new life group. It's, it's, yeah, would you say that? Hi, Betty. Um, uh, Tom and I are developing, because of this series, because of everything that we're doing here, we're going to develop a new group that's for believers brand new or non-believers who really have questions. So it could be for your skeptical friends, your atheist friends, your agnostic friends. They can come and be open to talk about their doubts, but we're hoping to 
infuse them into the church and have them come and become believers. So, Thank you. And I see the Bensons back here. Okay, I'm James, and this uh, lovely lady is Audrey Benson. And we're meeting this afternoon at 4 o'clock, guys. 4 o'clock in Victoria. And that's the Victoria that's in Minnesota, by the way. <laughs> um, life group, stand up. I think three of us are missing from this group. And yes, we follow the directions, too. You're not the only one over there. <laughs> So we meet every other week at 4 o'clock to 6 o'clock, like I said, at our house. We're generally uh, studying, doing the sermon notes as our study, and coming up in the near, in starting today, I think, probably, we'll be doing the evangelism study, uh, the bless study. So come and join us. My phone number is in the phone book. <laughs> Thank you. Um, I, I think that's everybody. Did we miss anyone? Okay, thank you, Taylor and Pete. I'd like to do one more thing before we close our time here this morning. Um, I hope it's not premature, but I would like to commission us all as X18 witnesses for Jesus Christ this morning. So I'd like you to stand up with me. One of my secret, secret desires is for Valley Free to be a place where we commission missionaries and those who are, are moving out to share Jesus. And I pray that we, we have this happen often. But to this morning, I thought the message of Scripture is clear. We are all witnesses for Jesus Christ. So if, if you're willing this morning, I would like to commission you as witnesses for Jesus Christ. I would like to commit you to a deeper relationship with Jesus this coming year, a deeper relationship with his word, commitment to his grace, and a commitment to walking with him in the coming year. I commend you to the leading and the power of the Holy Spirit to experience the fullness of a life lived in his strength and in his power by your testimony. And I commission you this morning as witnesses to the power the presence, and the love of Jesus Christ. May the Lord bless you with the desires of your heart as you seek to invest the good news of Jesus Christ in the lives of others. May the Holy Spirit open your eyes to see the world with compassion and urgency for the gospel. May you see doors of opportunity open for you to establish relationships and the platform for the gospel. May the Lord bless your desire to be his witness, and may he give you insight and courage as you follow after him. And now may I close our time together and our commissioning with 2 Thessalonians 2, verses 16 and 17. May our Lord Jesus Christ himself and God our Father, who loved us and by his grace gave us eternal encouragement and good hope, encourage your hearts and strengthen you in every good deed and word. In the name of Jesus Christ, I pray and I bless and I commit. Amen. Amen. On your way rejoicing.
through the eyes of men it seems there's so much we have lost as we look down the road where all the prodigals have walked one by one the enemy is whispered lies and let them off as slaves but we know that you victory we know there is more to come that we may not yet see 